Good morning and welcome to Walking with Jesus Through the Word, one chapter per day. I'm Pastor Jason Van Bemmel from Forest Hill Presbyterian Church. It's day 406 of our three-year journey through God's Word. It brings us to 1 Samuel 28. We're taking a break from our focus on the life of David to see what Saul is up to at this time. And while David has sunk to new lows by going and living among the Philistines, Saul has sunk to new lows by consulting a medium at Endor. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, your word is truth, all of it. It's given to us for our instruction, our rebuke, our correction, our training in righteousness, so that we may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So, Father, do the work in us by your Holy Spirit, through your word, to equip us to serve you well, to know Jesus better and follow him better. We pray this in Jesus' name. First Samuel 28. In those days, the Philistines gathered their forces for war to fight against Israel. And Achish said to David, understand that you and your men are to go out with me in the army. David said to Achish, very well, you shall know what your servant can do. And Achish said to David, very well, I will make you my bodyguard for life. Now Samuel had died, and all Israel had mourned for him and buried him in Ramah, his own city. And Saul had put the mediums and the necromancers out of the land. The Philistines assembled and came and encamped at Shunem. And Saul gathered all Israel, and they encamped at Gilboa. When Saul saw the army of the Philistines, he was afraid, and his heart trembled greatly, and when Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord did not answer him, either by dreams, or by Urim, or by prophets. Then Saul said to his servants, Seek out for me a woman who is a medium, that I may go to her and inquire of her. And his servants said to him, Behold, there is a medium at Endor. So Saul disguised himself, and put on other garments, and went, he and two men with him. And they came to the woman by night, and he said, Divine for me by a spirit, and bring up for me whomever I shall name to you. The woman said to him, Surely you know what Saul has done, how he has cut off the mediums and the necromancers from the land? Why are you laying a trap for my life to bring about my death? But Saul swore to her by the Lord, As the Lord lives, no punishment shall come upon you for this thing. Then the woman said, Whom shall I bring up for you? He said, Bring up Samuel for me. When the woman saw Samuel, she cried out with a loud voice, and the woman said to Saul, Why have you deceived me? You are Saul. The king said to her, Do not be afraid. What do you see? And the woman said to Saul, I see a God coming up out of the earth. He said to her, What is his appearance? And she said, An old man is coming up, and he is wrapped in a robe. And Saul knew that it was Samuel, and he bowed with his face to the ground and paid homage. Then Samuel said to Saul, Why have you disturbed me by bringing me up? Saul answered, 
I am in great distress, for the Philistines are warring against me, and God has turned away from me and answers me no more, either by prophets or by dreams. Therefore I have summoned you to tell me what I should do. And Samuel said, Why then do you ask me? Since the Lord has turned from you and become your enemy, the Lord has done to you as he spoke by me. For the Lord has torn the kingdom out of your hand and given it to your neighbor, David. Because you did not obey the voice of the Lord and did not carry out his fierce wrath against Amalek, therefore the Lord has done this thing to you this day. Moreover, the Lord will give Israel also with you into the hand of the Philistines, and tomorrow you and your sons shall be with me. The Lord will give the army of Israel also into the hand of the Philistines. Then Saul fell at once, full length on the ground, filled with fear because of the words of Samuel, and there was no strength left in him because he had eaten nothing all day and all night, And the woman said to Saul, the woman came to Saul, and when she saw that he was terrified, she said to him, Behold, your servant has obeyed you. I have taken my life in my hand and have listened to what you have said to me. Now, therefore, you also obey your servant. Let me set a morsel of bread before you and eat, that you may have strength when you go on your way. He refused and said, I will not eat. But his servants, together with the woman, urged him, and he listened to their words. So he arose from the earth and sat on the bed. Now the woman had a fattened calf in the house. She quickly killed it. She took some flour and kneaded it and baked unleavened bread on it. And she put it before Saul and his servants, and they ate. Then they arose and went away that night. This is one of the most confusing chapters in the Bible for me. It's sort of an example of how God doesn't answer a lot of our why questions. He just tells us what is and then some things he doesn't he doesn't clear up. For me the biggest question in this chapter and this is maybe just me is like why does this work? <laughs> why is it that Saul is actually able to summon Samuel? through the medium at Endor. Is this telling us that mediums and necromancers legitimately have the power to contact the dead? No, I don't think that's what we should read into this. The woman seems as surprised as anyone else because when she actually sees Samuel come, she screams, she cries out with a loud voice, She says to Saul, why have you deceived me? You are Saul. She seems shocked, honestly, that this medium business of raising the dead and talking to them actually worked. For the most part, I am convinced that mediums and necromancers are basically con artists who know how to trick people out of money by giving them vague and nonspecific answers. But we shouldn't be so skeptical and secularized as to deny spiritual realities. And it is possible that God can, by his sovereignty, permit these things to succeed. And he does forbid them for good reason. So in this case, it works. This is Samuel, who is brought up by this medium at Endor. Um, I also find it very interesting 
that uh, Saul has put the mediums and the necromancers out of the land, which is what he should have done according to the law of Moses. They were not to consult a medium or a necromancer. But then he swears by the Lord that he will not do anything against her. And that is really troubling because kicking them out of the land was the right thing to do. You know, verse 10, when he says, as the Lord lives, no punishment shall come upon you for this thing. That's that's really against God's law and against his role as the king who should be enforcing the law. And yet, in the context of this chapter, Saul has sunk so low into sin and despair that the medium at Endor appears more righteous than he is. She appears to be more of a God-fearer and more of a righteous person. She has more compassion on him than he has on her. She shows more wisdom than he does. So it's it's just an interesting chapter from those levels. But But it does show us something sobering, and that is once you go down a road of rebellion against God, especially once God judicially hardens your heart and gives you over to your sin, there's no limit to how far you might go down that dark road. And here Saul is, you know, hunting out a medium, which he knew was against the law and banned from the land, swearing in the name of the Lord that she'll be okay, and then pleading for Samuel to give him some kind of answer, which is on that level just foolish. Like Samuel had told him that God had turned against him and that the kingdom was going to be taken out of his hand. Samuel had told him that already. And and the fact that God wasn't answering by prophets or by dreams or by Urim, by any of the law-appointed means by which God might answer, I mean, that is your answer. But he didn't like the answer. He didn't want to hear the answer. And notice, instead of repenting or even trying to repent, he's just trying to figure out another way out of the situation, which is so often what happens if we give ourselves over to sin and, and we get trapped and we go deeper. It's like, I don't really, you know, we don't see a way out. And so instead of just breaking down, confessing, repenting, accepting the full consequences, coming clean, we try to find a way out, try to manipulate, try to lie, try to deceive, try to try to make things work. And that's what Saul tries to do here. And it just doesn't work. And in the end, I mean, I told you yesterday that we as believers should never give ourselves over to despair. We should always have hope in the Lord because Jesus is our Savior and he has conquered sin and death. He's alive forevermore, so there's no reason for us to ever be given over to despair. However, Saul is not in that position. And he actually is rightly in despair. He's going to die. He's going to die the next day. And he has been rejected by God. So he actually does have every reason to despair. I think the clearest application we can draw from this chapter is that without the grace of God to soften and change our hearts and draw us to Christ, our Savior, this would be us. We would be Saul. We would disobey God we would harden our hearts in our rebellion. We would walk away. We would justify it. We would manipulate. We would seek some other way out 
and we would end our lives in despair. But the grace of God, the kindness of our Father, the, the powerful redemption of Christ, the regenerating power of the Holy Spirit gives us that hope to turn us from despair to repentance. Worldly sorrow leads to despair and ultimately to death. Godly sorrow leads to repentance and renewal and forgiveness and restoration. So, by the grace of God, we are not condemned to be given over to worldly sorrow. By the grace of God, we can know, embrace, and walk in a godly sorrow that would lead us to repentance. We're going to see a godly sorrow from David coming up in our reading. So stay tuned for that. But let's pray. Father, thank you for your grace. Thank you that you have not left us in the deceitfulness of sin, which is where we deserve to be. Help us to know that, not just to say the words, oh, we deserve condemnation, but to really believe and understand we really do deserve to be like King Saul. But you've been good to us. You've been good to us because you are good, period. And we're so thankful. So thank you and continue to lead us, Father, in paths of righteousness for your name's sake in our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks for joining me for 1 Samuel 28 tomorrow. Uh, intern Mike Tolersi, I'll be back to bring us back to the Gospel of Mark and Mark chapter 11. As always, I hope you have a very blessed day in the Lord.